Happy Passover, Happy Easter, um, Ramadan. Um, we're preparing for our little family Seder. When I was a professor at Harvard, we used to have 75 people to our home for a Seder, particularly if the um, Seder night came in the middle of the week when students couldn't get home. But tonight is just my nice little family with some terrific filter fish and some really good wine, a little bit of prayer, uh, a lot of talking, a lot of discussion, no politics, no politics. It's a, it's a no Trump Seder, uh, a no Trump Seder. So, um, uh, I wish everybody has a good Holy week and good, good, uh, celebrations with, with family and friends. I want to thank some people. We, we broke some records, uh, uh, yesterday, uh, we have 399,000 views on, on TikTok, which is really quite remarkable. 399,000, almost 400,000. Uh, YouTube at 145,000 uh, viewers yesterday and Rumble, uh, 40,000 viewers. Also, um, my book, uh, Get Trump, uh, is now number one uh, among uh, Amazon nonfiction adult serious books. I mean, there are books ahead of it that, you know, Hello Moon, kids books and how to stay alive. But um, serious nonfiction books, there was a book ahead of me called Poverty, but now I've gotten ahead of them. So I'm, I'm number one, but uh, still you can't get it in an independent bookstore. Independent bookstores don't want to sell a book called Get Trump. Uh, they don't want to sell a book which they perceive as being in any way uh, pro-Trump. And so if you want to get the book, you got to get it on Amazon. You got to get it on uh, Barnes and Noble. You can call your independent bookstore and 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 try to get it. But uh, I don't know. Be interesting to hear what they have to say. I'd be interested in getting letters from you. If any of you call your independent bookstores, I used to always shop at independent bookstores because you know I want to keep them in business. Shakespeare and Company, Books and Books, uh, uh, other places. Uh, but no more. I'm not buying books from independent bookstores that don't sell books that they don't approve of. And Donald Trump seems to be uh, listening to me. I don't know whether he listens to the podcast or or reads my columns, but uh, he wrote to me about half an hour ago. Uh, Alan, very unfair judges, but we will get it done. Your voice is so S-O-O-O-O-O important. Uh, thanks. And I wrote back to him and I basically said, look, if... Um, if fairness and justice uh, prevails, you will prevail. Um, I'm on the side of fairness and justice. I'm on the side of fairness and justice for everybody. I'm nonpartisan. And um, in this case, it's it's really important that justice, that justice uh, uh, prevail. Something remarkable happened yesterday and, and today, something that I haven't seen now in five years, Democrats and um um, people who hate Trump, uh, very anti-Trump people, looked at the indictment that came out yesterday and said, what is this? I, we thought there was going to be a, a strong indictment. We thought they really had something. We thought there was a smoking gun. You know, Dershowitz was on television saying he doesn't see there's much, and we were criticizing him, saying, well, what do you know? You haven't seen the indictment. And, and Dershowitz was saying, oh, I know I haven't seen the indictment, but I've seen the witnesses and I have a lot of experience here. I've advised a lot of clients based on uncertainty. Uh, and I have a pretty good hunch that 
there's not much there. Uh, part of me was wishing there was something there. I mean, I would have loved nothing more than to have to apologize and say, you know, the American system of justice is fair and just. Um, Alvin Bragg really has come up with something. I'm sorry that I underestimated him. Uh, I apologize. I was hoping for that because I care more about our system of justice than about any you know, particular candidate or, or individual. But then when I read the indictment, and believe me, I read it carefully, there's nothing there. There's just nothing there. Don't, don't listen to me. Listen to, I hate to say this, listen to MSNBC, read the New York Times, uh, um, even listen to CNN. And there are people on those stations that, that are saying, oh, gee, there must be something wrong here. We, we haven't seen anything. Now, the extreme progressives, you know, the extreme radicals, they don't know the difference between truth and falsity. They um, occupy, occupied um, that group of hard, hard left, sometimes violent people, uh, sent around a bunch of emails saying, see, even Dershowitz thinks there's a strong case. And they misquote me, of course, as saying Trump might lose in New York. Um, the jurors will be people who voted for Bragg on the promise that Bragg made to them saying he'll get Trump. And so they're now jurors and they're going to want to help him get Trump. So I said that. So, of course, these liars in Occupy and these liars on the hard, hard left and progressive woke um, uh, side, they turn that into even Dershowitz concedes this is a strong case. No, there's a nothing case. But nothing cases can produce convictions. How do I know? I remember that in the South. When I was a civil rights activist and what I trained at Howard University to go down South to help with desegregation and to help dismantle Jim Crow, we saw case after case where white jurors convicted for nothing, for nothing. A Jewish guy was lynched in the South. Several were, but... Uh, Leo Frank was lynched um, back in the second decade of the 20th century for nothing. He didn't do anything. Uh, Schwermer and, and Cheney and Goodman, uh, they were lynched uh, for going down south. We were all worried that we would get lynched. <clears throat> we didn't spit on the sidewalk. We didn't put out our cigarettes. We were told if you put out a cigarette on the sidewalk, you will be indicted for the felony of destroying government property. So just because there's nothing in an indictment, and by the way, I don't even smoke cigarettes and I was worried that I'd be arrested for putting out a cigarette on the sidewalk because, you know, policemen make up stuff. Uh, they make up stuff. I was stopped once in the South and um, there were four of us who were driving. One of them's name was uh, Morty Leibowitz, a great doctor. <clears throat> and they saw his license, Leibowitz, and they arrested us. Um, why? Because Sam Leibowitz had been the lawyer from New York for the Scottsboro Boys, um, four black men who were, um, there was four, there was five, there was uh, different numbers, but were sentenced to death and then long imprisonment for allegedly raping um, a white woman. It didn't happen, never happened. But, uh, but Sam Leibowitz was their lawyer. And so this uh, sheriff recognized the name Leibowitz and he asked, my friend Morty, are you related to Sam Leibowitz? And, no, 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 I'm not. But still, they they locked us up. Um, 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 said that 
it was like a Thursday and they said the judge wouldn't be in until Monday. Um, but if we made bail of, I don't remember what it was, $200, we didn't have any money. Uh, I didn't have $200. I think we had like $80 between us and we pulled it. And finally the judge said, uh, all right, for 80 bucks, we'll let you go. Uh, but don't speed again. We weren't speeding. You know, they, they created speed traps. So out of nothing, you can get something if you're determined to get somebody, which is why I named my book, Get Trump. Get Trump, not my title. The title was invented by Letitia James and by Alvin Bragg. That's the title they campaigned on. And now they want the trial to be in Manhattan, where they campaigned to get Trump and won, and where 80-something percent, somewhere between 80 and 90 percent, of voters not only voted against Trump, but a very large proportion of them hate Trump with a passion. People in Manhattan won't speak to me because they know I defended Trump. Now it's, what, several years ago, uh, January 2000, but they haven't forgotten. They haven't forgiven. Uh, if you've defended Trump, uh, you're not John Adams defending the uh, Boston Massacre people. You're defending Adolf Hitler. Um, and, and we're not going to have anything to do with you. You're a facilitator. You're an enabler. And so how do you think the judges will feel uh, when they have to decide cases involving Trump? You think any judge wants to be the guy that people will pink, point fingers at and say, that's the judge who freed Donald Trump and allowed him to run for president. And maybe he'll be president. And it's that judge's fault. Or that's the juror. That's the juror who voted for Trump. Maybe the only juror, maybe there was a hung jury, maybe there was an acquittal. Uh, no juror wants to be in that position. No judge wants to be in that position. And I have to tell you, no defense attorney wants to be in that position. Lots of lawyers have turned down Trump and they did it because of me. They said so. They said to Trump and his legal team, we don't want to be Dershowitz. We don't want to be canceled. We don't want to be attacked. We don't want to uh, be uh, uh, considered pariahs. No, we want to keep our family intact, our friends intact. So, no, we're not going to perform our Sixth Amendment obligation to provide zealous counsel to even the most unpopular defendants. That's what's happened in our legal system. So, yesterday I had glanced at the indictment, hadn't read it as carefully as I have now been able to read it. It's just remarkable. As I mentioned yesterday, I'll go over it again because it's so un uh, unlikely. If I try to, you know, I've written three novels about law and um, one of them was a bestseller. One of them was a maybe a movie. Um, if I tried to write a novel based on the investigation of Trump, publisher would reject the saying that's insane what are you crazy they indicted somebody for that nobody would ever be indicted for that well here's the bottom line of what the central point of the indictment is Bragg has basically said he said it in his press conference not in so many words but Bragg has basically said look Trump did what Alexander Hamilton did he paid hush money remember Alexander Hamilton paid hush money to the Reynolds family because 
Mrs. Reynolds had seduced him and had an affair with him. And then Mr. Reynolds came over and extorted uh, Hamilton and said, unless you pay me money, I will reveal this and ruin your chances to be president. And so Hamilton paid hush money out of his own pocket. Then Reynolds came over to Hamilton and said, you got to pay me more money. Why should I pay you more money? If you don't pay me more money, I will say that the money you originally paid me came from treasury funds, not your own funds. Hamilton said, but they didn't come from treasury funds. They came from my own funds. And, and Reynolds said, who cares? I'll say it came from treasury funds. Pay me the money. At that point, Hamilton said no. And he refused to pay hush money. And he wrote a pamphlet. It's called the Reynolds pamphlet. I have an original copy of it. I have an original, actual copy of the Reynolds pamphlet. You know, I collect all stuff relating to the uh, beginning of our country. And that's one of my treasured possessions, the actual Reynolds pamphlet. But, you know, back in those days, you didn't have to fill in corporate forms as to why you paid your, your money. I don't remember how much money Hamilton paid, but it was a lot of money, probably more than $130,000 by today's uh, standards. Um, but since Hamilton, thousands, hundreds of thousands probably of people have paid hush money. And the purpose of paying the hush money is to make sure that the affair doesn't ever become public, because otherwise it'll embarrass your wife, your children, your business partners, and, and voters if you're running for office. So you pay hush money. But what Bragg said is once he paid the hush money, Trump was obliged to make a public statement in his corporate forms saying the $130,000 was paid to a former porn star in order to keep her quiet and not have her disclose the affair. So the theory of the prosecution is if you pay hush money, you can't keep the hush. You pay the money, but the hush doesn't happen because you then have to disclose that you paid the money for the hush. And you can't have hush if you have disclosure. It's the most insane argument I have ever heard in the context of a legal document. Let me make a categorical statement. Never in the history of America has anybody ever paid hush money and put the fact that he paid the hush money and to whom and for what reason in a public form. And never in American history has anybody ever been indicted for failing to put in the corporate form the fact that he paid the money to keep the person uh, quiet. It just has never happened. And I issued a challenge uh, to Bragg, Harvard Law School graduate. I don't remember him. He might have been in my class. I hope not. Um, you know, I taught two classes, mostly at Harvard Law School, basic first year criminal law, and then ethics, legal ethics for criminal lawyers. A lot of prosecutors and criminal defense lawyers took took that course. I don't think that Alvin Bragg took it. I don't, I don't remember him. It's possible. I had a lot of that 10,000. I had 10,000 students. But the idea that you would indict somebody uh, for that, for failing to disclose payment of hush money that was designed to prevent public disclosure of a perfectly legal affair, consensual affair. They were all over the age of consent. Uh, nobody claimed it wasn't consensual. Uh, there were crimes committed. Yes, uh, Stormy Daniels probably engaged in extortion or whether she did it directly through her lawyers. 
or maybe she didn't do it, but the, 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 the argument that warranted investigation was when you threaten somebody, either directly or through a lawyer to disclose something, unless you pay money, then that's, a, um, that's extortion. Now, the answer to that is very interesting. Because the answer to that is, no, 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 no. We didn't threaten to disclose anything unless you pay us money. We threatened to sue you unless you settle the case. That's the defense to extortion. We didn't threaten to expose it. We threatened to sue you publicly. It's called exposure, but we said we threatened to sue you publicly. Let's assume that happened. And the payment was accurately described as legal expenses. It was designed to settle the lawsuit. How can the prosecution have it both ways? How can the prosecution say it was it wasn't extortion and yet it wasn't legal? If it wasn't extortion, then it was legal expenses. In any event, nobody has ever been indicted for that. Now they have come up with a new crazy theory. When he paid the money, it was legal. But when he listed it in his form as legal expenses, he did it for purposes of, in the future, maybe taking a tax deduction. And if he took a tax deduction for a personal expense, aha, we got you. That's tax violation. Lots of problems with that. First, it was probably a legitimate legal expense when you pay hush money to prevent harm to your corporate image and corporate values, probably an appropriate legal expense. Second, nobody's ever been indicted for listing that as a legal expense. Third, who knows whether Trump would have done it? Nobody says he did it. There's no evidence that he did it. What Bragg has essentially been saying is he thought about possibly, hypothetically, maybe doing it. And that converts the misdemeanor into the felony. Every time you try to make the case stronger, and the New York Times today had a big editorial, big, big analysis by, by a very good, very good, actually a very good journalist named Charlie Savage, who says the case is much stronger because it really related to taxes. But that's the case. That's the tax case that he made the false entry because of the possibility that years later, when he filed his tax returns, and of course, Trump was always filing his tax returns much later, particularly the corporate tax returns, as many people do, that in his mind, when he filed the false statement to the corporation that didn't disclose that he had an affair. He wasn't thinking about his wife. He wasn't thinking about his children. He wasn't even thinking about the election. All he was thinking about is maybe I can save a few thousand dollars. It's all it would amount to under New York uh, tax law because you can't indict him for federal tax law. Under New York tax law, maybe it would have saved him a few thousand dollars. What is the New York tax law? 12% or something like that? you know, Trump pays more than that for for, for napkins. Uh, It gets more preposterous every day, yet the Times says that's the strongest case. I'm willing to concede that's the strongest case. Doesn't say much about the rest of the case. Moreover, many of the payments were made after... Trump became president, certainly after he was elected president. How can they be campaign contributions if they were made while he was sitting in the Oval Office or while he was 
president elect having won the election was he thinking about the next election ah that's what what it was it was 2016 he made the payments not for the 2016 election but for the 2020 maybe the 2024 election who knows maybe 2028 um it is such an absurd hypothetical. A first-year student could win this case walking away, but not in New York City. Not when you have jurors who voted to get Trump. The very jurors who voted to get Trump will probably end up on the get Trump jury. The judge probably voted to get Trump. He probably voted for Alvin Bragg, too. I don't know. We're not going to ask him. But he's a Democrat. And he voted in the Democratic primary. And Bragg won the Democratic primary against a much more qualified candidate who I supported, um, a woman who had uh, emigrated from Iran and had a really good strong, uh, record. Um, in any event, um, that's what it is. That's what the indictment is. It's nothing. You know, in Aesop's fables, they have a story that um, a mountain was pregnant and was laboring, and all the people were listening to the sounds, the noise of the mountain. And then Aesop says, the mountain labored and labored and produced a mouse. A mouse. That's what happened here. Bragg labored and labored and labored. Find me a crime. Create me a crime. I got to follow my campaign pledge. I promised to get Trump. Two of my people quit. The Times is attacking me. Everybody's attacking me. Find me, make up, discover, invent, concoct a crime. And what did they come up with? A mouse, a mouse named Mickey. This is the most Mickey Mouse case I have ever seen in my life, but it's not necessarily a case that will be lost in an unjust, biased New York system in Manhattan, considering the voting patterns and considering how many people voted for District Attorney Bragg, who promised as part of his campaign to get Trump. Thank you, Mr. Bragg, for giving me the title for my book. Thank you for helping make it a bestseller. And I have said before, I think the best message we can send to Bragg is keep it a bestseller. And at least that sends a message to brag and to others like him. Somebody's watching. Somebody is taking account. Somebody is writing articles. You know, since I wrote Get Trump, I've probably written 20 articles on this subject. I'm planning a new book called The New McCarthyism, um, which will deal with how the hard left has recreated some of the greatest evils of McCarthyism. And um, uh, that will be out probably in, in, in several months. But in the meantime, get, get Trump. And let me get some, some um, mail as we prepare for our wonderful Seder. I'm smelling the gefilte fish already from the other room. It's making me salivate. Okay. Thank you, Professor Dershowitz. You're a true patriot. It's interesting. Today, I was our house had a little problem with gas leaks, so we had to take all the pictures down from the wall. So today, I was hanging them back up. I hung up the Declaration of Independence uh, Common Sense by Tom Paine, uh, a letter by George Washington in the hand of Alexander uh, Hamilton, a letter from James Madison, a letter from um, Abraham Lincoln, and a letter from uh, John Adams. So 
I walk by these symbols of American history and American exceptionalism uh, every single day when I leave the house, and it really inspires me. I'll never be able to emulate any of the founders, but I'm sure as hell going to try to follow their their principles. Okay, let's get some more letters. Um, a lot of a lot of positive ones this time. For some reason, the program yesterday hit a chord with people of all political of all political views. Oh, I I got my usual letters. Oh, we like you for defending Trump, but how could you have voted for Hillary Clinton? I, I get that all the time. But look, my politics are my politics. Um, I don't use my political views to determine who I represent. I represent the Constitution. I represent the Bill of Rights. I represent the rule of law. I try my best to do objective, nonpartisan justice. How can you not like this man? He admits he's not a Trump supporter, but he's a supporter of the law and common sense. It's a sad situation for uh, democracy. Um, I like the way Professor Dershowitz waited until after the indictment to state his definitive views. But surprisingly, he has been right all the time. This is indeed a mouse case. Well, the reason I'm right most of the time is not because I'm smarter than the people on CNN or MSNBC, but I'm more objective. Uh, They tell you what they think should happen, and they disguise it as predictions about what will happen. I never do that. I tell you what I think will happen. I make predictions, and sometimes the predictions are very much against my own personal views. Okay. Thank you for putting the country above your party. I wish there were more reasonable and rational people like you who are brave enough to speak against the cult. There are a lot of people who are willing to talk, but they're willing to talk only in, in, in private. And, you know, it was Edmund Burke, one of the great political philosophers who had a big influence on our revolution, who said, all that is needed for evil to prevail is for good people to remain silent. And I see that all over. 50 years of teaching at Harvard Law School teaching at Stanford, teaching at NYU, teaching and lecturing all over the world. And I haven't seen too many professors with tenure showing courage. Oh, they speak a good game at lunch and they speak a good game at faculty meetings, but you try to get them to say something that will get students upset at them. Don't count on it. You're not going to get professors to do that. Professors don't want to get low ratings and low rankings. Um, They want to be deemed popular by the students. And that's becoming harder and harder to do as the students are becoming more and more extreme, mostly on the left, some on the right as well. And so it's so important to move our country more toward the center. But I'm worried that's not the direction it's going. When I think of what happened at Stanford, where the Lawyers Guild, the National Lawyers Guild, there are 100 chapters all over the country, uh, organized a campaign to prevent, to prevent a judge from speaking because they didn't like his views. I don't like his views, but I want to hear what his views are. Um, I want to hear what he has to say. That's what law school is about. You're not supposed to only listen to views that are ones that you accept, but the Stanford probably 100 students uh, organized by the National Lawyers Guild stopped him from giving his speech. Uh, the same thing happened at, uh, similar thing happened at Yale, Georgetown University. There's some 
rumblings of Penn, some rumblings of Columbia. These are the elite schools. These are the schools that, whether you like it or not, are going to produce the next batch of judges 20 years from now, congressmen uh, maybe 10 years from now, maybe a president. Um, After I'm long gone, but while uh, many of you are still around, uh, will there be a president ever in the United States that comes from this extreme, woke, progressive uh, generation? I hope not. We're a moderate, centrist country. I hope Americans don't ever vote for an extremist on either side. But I'm not completely confident that that hope uh, will be a valid prediction. Again, I'm stating what my hope is, and then I'm contrasting it with my prediction. My hope is optimistic. My prediction is more pessimistic. Before the details of the indictment were released, I told my wife I would listen to lawyers Dershowitz, Turley, and McCarthy. And if they were in agreement, go with their opinion. I'm curious what the other two will say, but I'm guessing they won't be far off Mr. Dershowitz's analysis. I am often very close to McCarthy, um, who I know, uh, just met him a couple of times, um, very bright and very principled and, and very honorable. Um, and I I don't remember if I've ever met Turley. If I had, it's just to say hello. I don't know him. Um, but they um, both uh, represent views fairly close to mine. I think politically they're both more conservative than I am. Uh, I can't speak for them. They have to speak for themselves. I think I'm more to the liberal side of the political spectrum politically, but legally our views tend often to come out similarly. On this, the three of them uh, have, the three of us have totally uh, criticized the indictment um, uh, McCarthy, uh, on on certain grounds, largely the chronology of the indictment, the fact that so many of the counts occurred after the election and, and while Trump was president, Turley on a variety of grounds, statute of limitations, et cetera, and me on a variety of grounds. You can obviously get my views uh, and get Trump because I anticipated all of this. So even though the book was published two weeks before the indictment, Everything in the book anticipated what was going to happen and anticipated it uh, correctly. Um, So, you know, it's a book you can read about what happened, even though it was written before it happened. If you were Trump, would you ask for a bench trial? Can you do that in New York if it gets to trial? Generally, you can in the federal court, by the way. You can't. Uh, You have to agree and the prosecution has to agree. I think that's wrong. Only the defendant has the right to trial by jury, and he should have the right to waive it. But that's not the federal law. Chief Justice Warren, a great justice, wrote a bad opinion on that issue. I'm not positive what the law is in New York, but it's a moot question. Trump is not seeking a bench trial. Believe me, there's no way he's going to put his fate in the hands of an elected Democrat judge whose family has close connections to uh, Democrats, do you think this judge would want to come home to his whatever he celebrates, Easter dinner, and have everybody point to him and say, that's the guy that freed Donald Trump. That's the guy. Robes don't give courage to ordinary people. When Madison wrote, if men were angels, he included judges. They're not angels. 
They're human beings with the passions and prejudices of human beings. So no, Donald Trump's not going to waive trial by jury. So happy Passover, happy Easter, happy Ramadan. Uh, I'll be a little more bloated and fat from eating so much matzah tonight, but I look forward to seeing you uh, next week.